If you can hear the sound of my voice, voice this morning, please flash your lights or honk your horn. Awesome. Awesome. Well, good morning and welcome in on Easter Sunday morning. It's good to see everybody. And uh, we're glad that you're here. If you would uh, please remain in your vehicle and pray against the weather. Amen. God's made a way for us this morning. And so we're glad to worship with you today. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you so much for allowing us uh, to come in and to worship you today. God, we give you all glory and honor and praise for this day. We're so thankful for how you have made a way for us to be saved, to have eternal life. God, we thank you for your life, for your sacrifice, for your victory, and God, for your invitation. Lord, we love you and praise you today on Easter Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen.
Give a little hump for Jesus. Well, amen. He has risen indeed. Amen. Christ is alive. Welcome to our Lindsay Lane drive-in sunrise service, right? We may not have the S-U-N, but we got the S-O-N this morning. He is alive and He is well. Thank you for coming this morning. We have a great service planned today, and we're going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So if you want to take your iPhone or your Bible and open it up with us, all four pastors are going to be preaching from this passage this morning, and we're going to be talking about Christ's life, His death, His resurrection, and His invitation for us to join Him in newness of life. So if you'll open your Bibles this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'm going to read a few verses, and so you join me this morning. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. That's the good news that we're celebrating this morning, which I have preached to you, Paul says, which also you have received now in which you stand. Watch this. By which verse 2 says you are also saved. We're saved by the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you hold fast to the word which I preach to you unless you believe in vain. For I declare to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. Paul's just given us the gospel that he too had received. And then verse 4. And that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. Hallelujah. And then jump down to verse number 9. For I am the least, Paul says, of the apostles, who am not, not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Isn't it marvelous that God would use this man who persecuted the church to preach the gospel to so many millions of people? And then verse number 10, Paul says this, By the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which is with me. There's no greater passage in all the Scripture than 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that deals with the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to know, I want to speak today on Easter is Christ's life. I want you to notice verse 1 through 3, what the Apostle Paul tells us. He says, I'm giving you what I received. I'm preaching to you the very gospel that I received, the gospel that changed my life. I'm going to preach to you and give to you. Paul had new life in Christ. And so we're here this morning celebrating the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's because He lives that I too live and that you too live. We have life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul had a new life in Christ. He says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. So he had a new life in Christ. And so when Paul was on his road, on the road to Damascus, he was going to the city of Damascus to persecute the church, to persecute Christians. And God appeared to him on that road and blinded him and led him into Damascus and led him to a man by the name of Ananias. And there he became a Christian and there he was baptized, the Bible says. So Paul said, I have new life in Christ. And then Christ used him to preach to the Gentile nation. And so God's using all of us who have new life in Christ to do his work. And so we, we're here today because we celebrate life. Life, Easter is life. He is risen. He's given me new life, and He's given you new life as well. I've been reading uh, my daily Bible reading. I'm reading through the Bible again, and I'm already in Leviticus. And so it's a difficult passage for a lot of people. But listen, when you really read Leviticus about the law, but it really helps us. And I found this verse of Scripture in Leviticus chapter 17, in verse number 11. The Bible says that life is in the blood. Life is in our blood. If you cut yourself, you're going to bleed. And if you bleed very long, you're going to bleed to death because our life is in the blood. So how is that significant to Easter, you say? Well, here it is. Don't you listen to this. Also in chapter 16 of Leviticus, it talks about the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement is when the high priest Aaron would go behind the veil. He would offer up a bull and a goat, and he would offer up the blood to the people, and he would pour the blood and sprinkle the blood on the altar. And so that shedding that blood was the Day of Atonement, which means that that blood atoned for Israel's sin. And so and when Aaron shed that blood over that altar and he shed the blood on the mercy seat, 
It was the blood that covered Israel's sin. So now I want you to fast forward to the New Testament. How was that significant to me at Easter? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ, if you remember, He became our high priest. He is our high priest now. Once and for all, the high priest Jesus is interceding for you and I that we might have life through His death. He died on the cross to give us everlasting life. And so Jesus Christ, John the Baptist called Him the Lamb of God, the sacrificial Lamb of God. And He's going to talk about that in a moment. The sacrificial Lamb of God gave His blood. He shed His blood for my sin and your sin and His atonement, His death, His life. Because He bled for us, His blood covers our sins. And so we are forgiven of our sins through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's good news, my friends. That's the good news of Easter. And if you believe that, let me hear a honk. Amen? All right, yes. Oh, I love it. I love it. And you know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 in verse 22, without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. And so Christ voluntarily substituted His life in His blood to cover our sin. You know, Jesus said these words in John 10.10. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life. And not only life, He says, but life abundantly. Right now, you and I are living the abundant life right here on earth. And can you you imagine all of this in heaven too? One day we're going to live and we're living the eternal life. Even when we die, Yet shall we live. That's what Jesus said to Martha. You remember when Lazarus, his good friend, died? He appeared to them, and after four days, Martha said, Why did you wait? If you'd only been here, my brother would have lived. And Jesus said, Yes, your brother is going to live. And Martha said, I know he's going to live in the resurrection. And here's what Jesus said in John eleven twenty five: Martha, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Even though you may die, yet shall you live. And so in Christ we live. He has risen to give proof of the first fruit that you and I too, even though we die, we're going to rise one day to newness of life and we're going to have eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's good news. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have, say it with me, everlasting life. Easter is Christ's life. I'm so glad that on December the 5th, 1952, my mom gave me birth at Athens Limestone Hospital so many years ago. I had earthly life. But I'm very glad, and more glad, if you will, that on October the 30th, 1979, the Lord Jesus Christ came into my heart, into my, into my being, and He gave me everlasting life. So I have life, the abundant life. I'm living right here on earth, but I have hope. I have everlasting life in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's because He lives that we too shall live. Our pastor of the East Campus, Heath Haney, is doing an excellent job there with his staff. He's going to come now. He's going to share with us about the death of Christ and how Christ overcame the grave. God bless you guys. I really love you with all my heart. Amen. Thank you guys for being here this morning. And I mean, we're so excited to be able to share God's word with you. As Brother Dusty just said, Easter is Christ's life. But to be able to experience the life of Christ in your life, you have to come to two acknowledgments. Paul, who wrote the letter that we're looking at today, um, Paul understood these two major truths that we're going to talk about today. I'm going to share one, and then Brother Allen uh, from the North Campus is going to come here in just a second as well. Um, but I'm going to talk to you that Easter is not only Christ's life, Easter is also Christ's sacrifice. Okay, verse uh, 3 of the verse that we uh, the chapter that we just read for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. So the most important thing that Paul had ever received had been first Christ died for our sins. Before we can understand though what it means for Christ to die for our sins, we need to understand what sin is. We've got to have a healthy understanding of sin. See, the Bible is full of imperfect people. People who, uh, people who make lots of mistakes. Open your Bible to anywhere, any page. You're more than likely going to find an imperfect person making boneheaded decisions. 
That's, that's, that's the very thing that the Bible tells us about. But the very first instance of a sin is on page three of the Bible. Genesis two and three. Here we see Adam and Eve, the first human beings sin. And we discover that sin is actually a rebellion against a holy God. In every situation, no matter the sin, sin is rebellion against God. And in these chapters, Genesis 2 and 3, they also give us the repercussions for our sin. God warns Adam and Eve long before they sin. He says, if you disobey me, you will surely die. And when the time comes, the opportunity is before them to sin. They do. They rebel against God. And then nothing happens. They don't die. Somehow they've beat the system or something, right? But then God comes to them and he says, depart from me, right? He actually removes them from his presence. And what Adam and Eve understood at that moment is what you and I need to understand is that the repercussions for our sin, what the Bible calls the curse of sin, is spiritual death. And spiritual death is separation from God, and it's so much worse than physical death. Because the perfect relationship for Adam and Eve that they had been experiencing to this point was fractured. You see, Adam and Eve recognized that sin, our rebellion against God, is spiritual death, separation from God. The Bible says that's what we've earned too. That's the payment for our sin. That's the, that's the outcome of our sin is separation from God. <laughs> My notes are blowing everywhere. Sorry. But what if you could never sin? What if you were born lived a full life, and died without ever sinning. From the time you were born to the time that you died, no mistakes, no rebellion. In my opinion, you would you would probably have a good case before the Lord to say, hey, I don't deserve to be separated from you. I never sinned, right? But who could do that? Who could go, who could go uh, a, whole, a whole day or a whole, let's do a whole month, or how about a whole year? None of us. Right? None of us have what it takes within ourselves to do that. We all say and do and think bad things much more regularly than I'm willing to admit for myself. I don't know about you. None of us could do that. None of us could pull it off. The Bible says that we have all sinned, 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 and continue to sin. And we fall short of God's glorious standard. We've all sinned. We all deserve to be separated from God. But there is one that I want to tell you about today who didn't sin. He lived his whole life without it. And his name is Jesus. Paul wrote in one of his other letters that we call 2 Corinthians, in chapter 5, verse 21, that Jesus knew no sin. What Paul was saying is that Jesus had lived a perfect life, never sinning once. And so Jesus is the only one who is deserving of no separation from God. Yet the very thing that God did in him was separate him. Paul said right after in, in chapter 5, verse 21, that right after Jesus said, or after Paul said of Jesus that he knew no sin, he said that God made him sin on our behalf. 1 Peter 2.24 says that God placed all of our sin in Jesus' body as he hung on the cross. He took all the sin of the world. What does that look like? What did it feel like to take on the weight of the sin? I don't know because I can't imagine Jesus taking just my sin. Just a lifetime of Heath Haney sinning on this earth would be too much, I think, Jesus to bear. The shame, the guilt, the heaviness of that. But yet Jesus didn't just take my sin. He took your sin and He took the sin of every human being who has ever lived and ever will live. And He experienced the weight of it as He hung on the cross. He didn't just experience the pain of the cross. The most excruciating thing he experienced was the pain of sin in his life that he had never experienced. And in that moment, he experienced separation from God for the first time. 
And that's why he looks up to the skies and he scans and he quotes Psalm 22, which he no doubt had memorized. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he had never known a moment in his life without God's presence. He took the curse of sin for you and for me. He didn't deserve it. And it's after this moment that the Bible tells us that Jesus breathed his last. You see, Jesus didn't die because of his own sin. He wasn't separated from God because of anything that he had done. He died and experienced separation for us. He took the curse and weight of sin so that our debt could be paid. That's why Paul can say in Romans 8.1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Once and for all, Christ paid the debt for our sin by dying for us and experiencing separation for us. Now because of His death, we can have life. Because of His separation, we can experience closeness with our holy, our holy and heavenly Father. In the presence of God. After Jesus was killed, our Savior, He was placed in the tomb, just like you and I will be. The Savior had given His life, but now He was dead. And that's where the story seems to end for a moment. Alan's going to get to share the rest of that story of victory with you. I'm going to voice a prayer. We're going to sing a song. And then Alan will come up and continue this story. Let's pray together. Father, we love you, God, and we thank you that you did not leave us in our sin, but, God, you sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. And, God, the heaviness of my sin, God, that I could never bear by myself, before a holy and heavenly Father, God, Jesus did on my behalf. God, what good news. And God, I'm thankful for this part of the story, this part of the good news, that my sin is no longer mine to bear, but Christ has bore it for me. God, I pray that if there's anybody here who's never trusted in Jesus Christ, that they would dwell on the blood and death and separation of Jesus Christ and be changed by it today. Bless us as we continue to worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin. Lost without hope, with no faith to begin. You love me to wait, let mercy come in. When death was arrested, my life began. Ash was redeemed, only beauty remained. Quiet, my feet rose to dance when death was arrested and my life began. Oh, your grace, so free while she's over. Chains, I'm a prisoner.
Amen. Amen. This is fun, isn't it, church? <laughs> Man, praise God. Praise God. Man, today we've talked about Christ's life. We've talked about Christ's death and the important ramifications that all of that entails for our life. But church, I want to remind you that if the story of the gospel ended at the cross, then it ended in defeat. It ended in defeat. With the Savior's death, it ended in defeat. You see, it's not unique in how Christ died. What is unique about how Christ died was why Christ died. The Romans had killed hundreds, tens of thousands of people by means of the crucifixion. But the reason why they sacrificed Jesus, the reason why Christ was crucified was unique. You see, Jesus wasn't crucified because he went around performing miracles. You see, if you go around healing folks for long enough, you're going to have a TV show before long. Jesus wasn't arrested. He wasn't crucified because he was a great teacher. Yet time and time again, based on the teachings of Christ, people have written New York bestsellers, right? Teaching like that lands you book deals. Jesus was crucified by the Jews for one reason and one reason only. Jesus made a very distinct claim about himself that led to his crucifixion. I've got a check here in my hands. 
And I don't know about you if you've ever done something just because you've never done it before. Uh, but I did that yesterday morning. I want y'all to know, this may come as a surprise to you, but I have never in my life written a million-dollar check. I've never done it. Not one time in my whole life have I ever written a million-dollar check. I don't anticipate ever writing another million-dollar check. But yesterday morning, for the purpose of this illustration, and at fear of doing something a little bit maybe illegal, uh, I wrote a million-dollar check Made it out to Joe Schmo, dated it and everything. I wrote a million dollar check that's here in my hand. Now, here's what you know and I know about that check. If I was ever to find Joe, some of y'all are probably thinking about changing your names as we speak. But if I was ever to give this check to Joe Schmo and he was to go down to the bank, over the course of time, it would be realized that I am a fraud. You see, because me handing him that million-dollar check makes a very important claim about who I am, about my identity. It goes out on the limb and says that I even have enough money to support Joe to pull out that amount of money. But over the course of time, I would be found to be fraud. Why? Because I don't have the resources and I don't have the identity in order to make good on this claim. But church... Jesus made a significant claim in John chapter 10, verse 30. Scripture tells us that Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Jesus made a claim greater than any other claim about his identity when he claimed that he was of perfect unity and equal substance with the Father. He made a claim that is unique in history, that he was the son of God, that according to Daniel chapter 7, was the son of man who came from heaven, who was given dominion over all the earth, and whose kingdom would never end. So if the story of the cross ends in defeat, ends with the king's death, then the story's over. In fact, our good news is not good news at all. 1 Corinthians 15, 7, later on in this chapter, we find that if Christ was not raised, then we remain in our sin. Good news turns into bad news really quick. But praise God for 1 Corinthians 15, verse 4, that says, And he was raised on the third day in accordance with with the scriptures. You see, Jesus made a distinct claim about who he was. And because he didn't fit into the picture and the portrait of what the Jews felt like the Messiah should be, they crucified him for it. But church, the empty tomb is the guarantee, is the testimony that is confirmed by 514 witnesses that Jesus was who he said he was. And because he is who he says he is, he has separated our sins as far as the east is from the west. We are free indeed. The message of Easter... Easter is Christ's victory over death, hell, and the grave. We no longer have to be held captive by our sin anymore. We are free, free, and free indeed. Praise God Almighty for the empty tomb. Because his victory doesn't end with him. But today, because Jesus has the victory, he has made victory available for us, and he's made victory available for you through a relationship with himself. And so, in just a moment, I'm going to invite Andy John to come and share with us the invitation that Christ makes to you and I today to be in a relationship and in victory, standing in victory with him today. Andy John, would you come? Easter is Christ's life. It is Christ's sacrifice. Easter is Christ's victory.
And Easter is Christ's invitation. So what should it be for you? Will it be victory or defeat? Will it be life or death? The psalmist said, I pondered the direction of my life and I turned to follow your laws. When, when I was in high school, even in college, I used to consider the direction of my life honestly a lot more than I do now. I used to think about what I wanted to be, who I wanted to become, what God wanted me to be. And part of the reason I used to think a lot about that then more than I do now is because now I am walking more with God. But also the truth is, is when you get older, you tend to get settled. But now all of this that is in our face, all of this that is coming through our TV screens, over the Internet about death and sickness and virus, has caused us all to begin to ask more personal questions, to dig a little bit deeper, to self-reflect, to ask questions like, am I ready to die? Have I lived a life filled with purpose? To ask questions like, am I all the things I always wanted to be and that God wanted me to be? is causing us to look inside and to look up. In verses 9 and 10 of our passage, Paul is beginning to have a sense of self-reflection. He begins to think about the man that he used to be before he began to write these things, before he was a man that was an, an influential man of God, before he was making a difference for the kingdom of God, before he was an apostle. Paul had a history a history of sin just like you and I have. A history of sin just like the people that are driving by on the cars that are in these neighborhoods around us not tuned in. Everybody there, everybody here is the same way. Same as the Apostle Paul. We had a history of sin. In verse 9 he says in his own words, For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way that I persecuted God's church. You see, we can all take these verses for our own self-reflection. We can say to ourselves, we can say it together, I'm not worthy because, and we can fill in the blank, and every single one of us can fill in the blank personally of why we are not worthy before a holy God. Either way, when we are looking at my sin, your sin, Paul's sin, we can put a name on it, but the name doesn't matter because the consequence is the same. The Scripture says that we've, all sinned and we've fallen short of God's glory. And the scripture says that what we earn because of our sin is death or separation from God. Paul's great sin in that he persecuted the church, but that wasn't all. Paul thought that he was good enough to be good before a holy God. And the scripture says that there are none good. Now, you may not line up with that. You may think in, in and of yourself, you know that you're not good enough before a holy God. But if you never deal with your sin... If you never consider your sin, whether you think you are good enough or not good enough, if you don't deal with it, we remain in our sin and we remain separate from God. Again, sin, death, and defeat, we're all the same. But the difference between sin and salvation, the difference between defeat and victory, the difference between life and death is whether we remain in that sin or if we turn from our sin and turn to God. And the way that God has made for us to be right with Him, to be forgiven now, to be free from our sin, and to bust heaven wide open is through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus the Christ. When Paul in verse 9 said, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way that I persecuted God's church, he was considering his sin, his status before a holy God. Have you truly considered your status before God? Have you truly considered yourself before a holy God? And that all of the good that you bring to the table would never amount to entrance into heaven before a holy Lord and Savior. Verse 9 is a consideration of sin, but verse 10 is a confident position. Because things begin to change in verse 10, and Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. You see the change in direction? Before it was by the works of Paul, I am who I am, which counts for nothing. But in verse 10, it's by the, by the grace of God, I am who I am. He had believed the message of Christ. He had turned from himself and turned to God. The change in direction is now secure in the grace of God. 
He was saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. The New Living Translation says it this way in verse 10. But whatever I am now, but whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me. I want to ask you a very simple, very serious question as we close today. Who are you now? Who are you now? Easter is Christ's life, Christ's sacrifice, and Christ's victory. And because he has all the power of God over death and the grave and all authority on this world, he extends the invitation to you. And that question is, who are you now? And this Easter, you can be who you've always been. You can be who you are now. Or you can be who God wants you to be. It is not God's desire that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. That all should be saved. In this moment today, if God is pursuing your heart, whether you are sitting in a car or you are sitting at home watching this by live stream, or you've even watched it recorded. If all of this is beginning to make sense in your heart and in your mind, if you've pondered the direction of your life and it's time to turn, if you want to respond, right now is the time to do so. Right now is the time to turn from yourself and turn from your sin and turn to God. If you're waiting for another right time, if you're waiting for a time that you can walk the aisle or you're waiting for a time where you can be within six feet in front of a pastor, it may not come. So you're hearing the gospel plain as day this morning on Easter Sunday. Right now is the time to call on God to be saved. The scripture says if we turn from ourselves and turn to God that we'll be saved. The scripture says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord, the Lord Jesus will be saved. And so if you ask yourself today, well, how do I do that? You do it the best way that you know how. Right now in your car, from the comfort of your home, you bow your head, you close your eyes, and in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you call on God to save you. But don't wait another moment. Don't wait another minute. It's not about the words of the prayer. It's about the attitude of your heart. Matthew 10, says, Everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. And so what I would tell you today before we begin to play and before we sing, is if that this is you today and you know you need to be saved, don't deny it, own it. Don't deny it, own it. Bow your heads with me. Our band is getting ready to lead us in a final song of worship. But right where you are and right now, if you need to call on God to save you, do it. In a very simple and very serious way, the best way you know how. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and right now call on God to save you. Yeah. 
blazing sun shall pierce the night and I will rise among the saints my gaze transfixed on Jesus face sing it out usually the part where we invite you to walk the aisle. We have you talk with a counselor. We uh, ask you to come forward. And we're not going to have you drive forward or anything like that. But what we would have you to do today is if you've made any kind of decision, if you've turned from your sin and turned to God and you called on God to save you, we want to ask you to take the next step. And that next step right now is for you to pick up your phone. Pick up your phone and text LLBC to 31996. If you've made a decision today, if you know that you need to be obedient in baptism, if it's time for you to join the church and you're not ready to wait until we can all get back together, but it's time for you to join the church right now, or you've called on God to save you, would you just text LLBC to 31996, and you'll take a, a follow that the instructions, take a few brief moments to fill out a form, it sends it to us, it sends it to a pastor, and we'll take it from there and contact you and help you towards your next steps of discipleship. Thank you all so much for coming today. Uh, we look forward to seeing you back inside the sanctuary again sometime soon. Be praying for the weather the rest of the day as we've got one more service to go. Uh, thanks again for being here. Brother Bradley's going to come now. He's going to tell us how to give, and he's also going to talk about how to get out of here. Thank you all so much for being in church today. Amen. Thank you, Lindsay Lane. We want to say thank you for attending Easter at Lindsay Lane. It's been a wonderful, wonderful morning, and we praise the Lord for the weather holding. Again, we just ask you to join us as we pray that it will hold for the 11 o'clock service. Uh, again, I want to commend this great church on just how well you have uh, remained in stewardship over these past few weeks. I know it's been a difficult time for all of us. But this church has been so gracious to continue its faithfulness in the area of stewardship. So I want to commend you as a church family for your giving and encourage you to continue to do so as our ministries here at Lindsay Lane uh, continue to go on. So there are ways to give listed on the screen for you there. You can text to give. You can also uh, give through our online giving at lindsaylane.org at our website or if you want to mail it in the old-fashioned way, it's, you can mail it your gifts to 1300 Lindsay Lane. And so we encourage you to do that. If you're a guest today, we do want to be careful to tell you we're not expecting you to give. Uh, we hope you have a church home. And if you do, we would encourage you to give to your local church family. Uh, it's a crucial time all around the nation. So we're not asking you to give to Lindsay Lane. We would much rather you support your own local church. But we want to thank you for being here with us today. And uh, we want you to know that we love you here at Lindsay Lane. We share the same vision to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we want to just encourage uh, each and every one of you to have a blessed rest of this Easter day. And uh, continue to pray with us as we get, get prepared for the next service this morning. 
As you leave today, our traffic officer will be here to direct traffic. And uh, so we want you to be careful as you leave, but also be patient with one another. God bless you for being here. Let's have a word of prayer as we close our service today. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of coming together today on this Easter Sunday morning. We thank you for the resurrected Christ who's made the difference in our lives, who's given us eternal life and the promise of a heavenly home one day in your presence. And God, we pray that if there's someone here that has received you as their personal Lord and Savior today, God, that they would text the LLBC to 31996 and just let us know so that we can minister to them and help them in their next steps. Dismiss us now in your love. Keep us safe throughout this afternoon as we face the storms ahead. And we just praise you and thank you for what you mean to us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.